This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Welcome to New Church Live, and welcome to all of you on this day. And, and you know, my, my hope is we come out of here with hope. I realize there's a lot of people who are going to be entering today and entering today's service, and, and, and you might be looking, like, for the answer, that what do I do? And, you know, I'm going to tell you what I do. I, my thing is that I just want people to know as a pastor that they're loved, and then part B is I know who to call. That's what I do. That's it. One of them is in the audience right now, and he's on speed dial constantly with things. <laughs> I don't know what that thing is to do for you. I, I know I hear from people all the time, this is the answer, no, this is the answer, no, this is the answer. And sometimes people actually argue about that in the community around healing. This is not the place to figure out exactly what the right answer is. It's a place for us to do this, to have conversation, for us to listen. We're going to be hearing from people, just amazing people. We're going to be hearing from the Lord's word. We're going to be hearing from, from each other. And, and, and the hope is that you just pull something that just helps you get to the next place. You with me on that journey? So great to have you again here today. And, you know, as, as we look at this, as we look at this, it's important to understand, you know, how how hard addiction is. And I was, when I was doing research for this, I came across this beautiful description of why addiction is so hard. Here it is. It is a shortcut, talking addiction, is a shortcut and an instant intensification of the happiness we might ordinarily experience in a good and fruitful communal life. For a fleeting instant, for a fleeting instant, it ends not just the physical pain, but the psychological, emotional, even existential pain. Becoming a love affair, and I love this last line. I wish I could write like this. A love affair in which the passion is even more powerful than even the fear of extinction. A love affair in which the passion is even more powerful than even the fear of extinction. Beautiful line. And by the way, for first-time attendees, you're welcome to take pictures of that with your phone. We, we actually keep our phones out here a lot at New Church Live. I love that idea of, of the, you know, that, that relationship that can become so destructive, but it's but it's hard to get out of. I know myself, my struggles, as well as working with other people with struggles, I, I just I want to honor how hard that is. I, I don't think it's just necessarily a matter of just of pure willpower. I don't think it's about evil people that we've got to somehow make good. I think it's about people who are struggling with a disease that are looking to find ways to be made well, and that's me included. 
find ways towards healing. And maybe parts of today can have parts of that. Now, I want to share with you a, a Bible story, and it's, it's a beautiful Bible story. And, and just a little background, New Church, we read the Bible as, as a beautiful sort of poetic truth that's got these, these things for our days and times underneath them. And our job is, is to look at it and look at it and, and, and pull it apart and realize, like, oh, yeah, this is speaking to me, even though it's written thousands of years ago. It's a story many of us know, not everyone will know, but many of us know, that is Noah's Ark, that's Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark is this ancient, ancient story, and it was a story where, where the world was, was all dark, and so God was like, I gotta sort of erase the board and start all over again. So he said, Noah, you're the one good family left on the face of the earth. I'm gonna have you collect all the animals, put them on an ark, and then we're gonna erase the world and start all over again with you. So it's interesting, right? Noah, in a certain sense, is the first real hero of the Bible. First real hero, written up, you know, three, four thousand years ago. The first real hero. Like, here's a guy who did it so well, God said, you. And I think why the Bible works for me is that it's not about perfect people. You would think the first hero, right, that he would be the guy with the cape and Superman and all this stuff. It's not how it works. It works in a very human way. Noah the hero, just a few short verses after that, becomes Noah the drunk. Drinks too much. That, to me, is why the Bible has meaning. Because that is, indeed, the human condition. I want to read to you the story, then I want to, want to talk about some of, of, of what the meaning is here. So the sons of Noah, he had three sons, who came out of the ark when the flood ended, were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came people who were scattered all over all the earth. Noah, a man of the soil, in other words, a farmer, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he had drank some of the wine, he became drunk, lay naked inside the tent. Ham saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside, but Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it across, a blanket, took a blanket, laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backwards, covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way, so they could not see their father's nakedness. And it goes on to say, Noah awoke. Now, it's easy, again, to like, like blast through that story. But that story actually has a lot of stuff, and we start to see it as thoughts in our head. This is really important, what I'm about to say. We don't have a slide on it, because I want you to hear it so carefully. Maybe this, maybe this. Maybe we're not responsible for our first thought. Maybe what we are responsible for is our second thought and our first action. How many of us have just 500 million crazy thoughts a day? And you better all, I can't see you, but you better be raising your hand. I, I have crazy, crazy thoughts. Like, just nutty, 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 nutty thoughts. All the, yeah, like I, I walk into Wawa and I'm instantly judging people, you know, in terms of how they get their coffee. Like a guy dared to use three straws today and I was upset. Like, really, Chuck? Holy cow. And I, there's even crazier ones, right? See, I don't think we're responsible for first thought. I think, you know, we live with the spirit 
close to us, and sometimes just crazy spirit thoughts come through us, and it's just crazy stuff. But then can I choose? Can I choose a second thought? And then can I choose a first action? Now, that first thought, I'd ask you to think of, of the one brother here. Here's a picture. It takes you to think of that one brother. If we go back to the photograph there, the one brother here, Ham, and, and Ham kind of is pointing out to his two brothers. He says, look, dad's naked. He's drunk and naked. That's that first thought. That's that, that really judgmental, um, harsh, crass. It's, it's where like we've put ourselves up as the hero. And the other person, if we're the hero, they are the villain. And it even gets worse if, if we sort of see ourselves as the um, as as the victim as well. If we kind of get that hero victim thing going, that's known as martyrdom. We get that going, and we pl- we peg a victim. I mean, a villain. We're we're, in, we're really into thin ice there. We're into a challenging space. See, and, and in the new church, we hold that, yeah, that's our thought. This isn't saying, like, ham is bad and evil. It's saying that's just the typical human reaction. And what is that part? Next slide. That part that ham pictures for us. It's where we expose, judge, condemn, mock, and broadcast. I love that phrase, broadcast. We want everybody to know. How many of us have done this anytime recently, right? At least in your head. See, that is part of the human condition. That is that first thought. So then the question becomes, can we get a second thought in an action? Well, we kind of have to because what Ham has forgotten is this. He's forgotten that faith is really about mutual love. That's really important. Faith in this denomination is not a Loctite belief system where you, where you must believe this, and if you don't, unfortunately, you're outside of the purview of God's love. We believe faith really comes out of love. Faith is the eye of love. Faith is all about mutual love, and the problem is sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget. And we're always having these opportunities to be reminded again and again of what is most essentially true. Welcome to the other two brothers. So take a look at what the other two brothers, what they mean here. Shem and Japheth. What they do is that they notice the good qualities. That part of us that's willing to notice good stuff in other people. They come from the positive. These next two are really key. If it was just left at the first two, that would not necessarily help people. I mean, it's great to just see the positive. It's, it's great to just see good qualities. And, and yet all of us need to continue to grow. Let me share one with you, a new church one that, a new church themed one that I like a lot. God loves you just the way you are and he loves you so much he doesn't want you to stay that way. Right? Like, imagine you have a a five-year-old, you know, son or daughter. You know, if you have a little five-year-old kid, you love them just the way they are. You don't want them being 20 years old and still in that five-year-old state. Right? Please say yes. Of course. Like, we don't want that. We we want growth and change and, and, and all those beautiful parts of life. All those beautiful parts of life. 
That's why we need in our lives to have sacred no's as well as sacred yeses. In the sacred no, that's where we're able to see where the challenges are, see the negative, and we work to address it in, in ways as best we can. And in this part of the story, folks, that's the blanket. Just offering a warm blanket. Now, sometimes we offer that to those, uh, it may be ourselves, that part of that's addicted or struggling with addiction or someone we know who's addicted. And sometimes it's just something we offer to ourselves. A warm blanket of love. Regardless of circumstances. You know, I know with some of the work that I've done with so many of you folks that you've really led the way on in so many parts and places down in Philadelphia. I really think my only job is just, can people just know that they're loved? That there is a blanket. That's what I can do. And of course, you have to see things for what they are. And of course, there has to be consequences. There has to be this, that, and the other thing. But it, but it comes from a position of a warm blanket. I think that's really important. As the band comes out, folks, as the band comes out, I want you to think again through that. Remembering we do all have that first thought that we largely don't control. Can we start to think, okay, what's my second thought? And after my second thought, what is my first action? When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about it, put a little context, then we're blessed to be able to hear in the second half from some members of the congregation who've walked that journey. What a great song that is. Yeah, that idea of I'm still here, and we're all still here. We're doing the best we can. We say in New Church Live all the time. And again, I'm saying this because we have a lot of first-time people. Life always, three, three things, blessed, broken, and shared. Blessed, broken, and shared. What I want to talk about is, is so we, we, we get to that point, right, where I, where I get my first thought's probably not the right one. What's the second thought that I can choose, and then what's the first action out of that? And I think that's a real important process. I think that is part of, if I use big theological terms, regeneration, learning to be created anew. It's learning just to handle life a little differently that way. And I want to introduce a concept here. I think it's really important. This is one I would take a note on your phone with. It's the idea of point of freedom. Can we say that loud and proud? Point of freedom. Point of freedom. Now, what that means is, is that means that I need to be very aware of where other people's point of freedom is and where mine is. A simple example for me as a pastor, I'm not a trained drug and alcohol counselor. I know people who are. I know their phone numbers. That's my point of freedom is to give someone the phone number. That makes sense? It's the same folks with people who are struggling. If you have someone in your life that's struggling or it's you who are struggling, see where their point of freedom lies. Where are they actually free to make a decision? Here's an example. I'm going to step over here. If someone is in the very depths of an opioid addiction, they're just, they're struggling, they're, they're homeless, it's cost them everything. If I walk up to them with a job application and go, here, fill this out, you'll get the job. Is that a point of freedom for them at that point? 
No, it's just not. It doesn't mean it won't be later on. It doesn't mean you're fatalistic. It means you have to figure out where is their point of freedom right there. That's, that's the idea of, of, of how do I really exercise charity and love in that moment. Well, I do it by figuring out where are they really free. Where am I really free? And where is a community, like as a church, what are we really free to do? Can I share with you a story of a church I love? Well, I'm going to share it anyways. It's, it's, it's a story about Broad Street Ministries, which they do amazing stuff down there. They, they had a problem. They had a giant church, no people. So the pastor down there, and, and I've shared this story before, but I find it incredibly powerful, has decided they're going to serve a lot of the homeless population down down in Philadelphia. And again, not with everyone, but with some people, sure, homelessness and addiction can go together. So what they do is that they offer mailboxes down there, and now their big giant church on Broad Street, if you've been down on the uh, Avenue of the Arts, you, you walk right past it, it's now the largest address in Philadelphia. They have, they have, they have over 2,000 people call that their home address. Is that varsity or what? That's really good. See, that's where they figured out their point of freedom was. You know, we can't do X, Y, Z, P, D, Q, but we can offer mailboxes. Stepping back over here. I think that's where we have to see with a point of freedom for those who are struggling and for our families and friends, you know, where is the point of freedom for them? And it has to all be done in the spirit of love. Now, I want to be clear, because I'm going to say this a number of times. I just think it's so important. Sometimes that will mean separation. That's hard. Sometimes, in my experience, that will mean separation. And even that can be done from love. And remember, you're the one who gets to choose that. We get to choose what we do from love. So think about that point of freedom. And I want you to kind of hear how this concept worked out in some people's lives. Now we have, I want to say, you know, for, to speak up in front of New Church Live, every time before I preach, I actually get nervous and feel vulnerable. And, and I can only imagine what people who are willing to actually come up and speak feel. And so I would ask you to please give our next three speakers an incredibly warm round of applause as they come up to share part of their journey through this territory. Please help me welcome to the stage. you guys and thank you thank you thank you thank you it was it was just a little funny when we had a we had a team and and Shannon was actually the first one to raise raise her hand and Ed who's the grizzled old veteran was like dang if she's gonna speak I gotta speak too so it was good a little little positive peer pressure there so first thing through I'm just gonna ask you folks just to say who you are and just give us like a sentence my name's Mark, and I, this is my sixth year with New Church Live, and I'm so glad to be here Great. every week. 
Hi, my name is Shannon, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ed, and I'm a recovering addict. All right, thank you. So with these three, I've asked these questions, you know, points of freedom. And Mark's going to start out here. Where was a point of freedom where I could finally hear it? Where I could finally hear it? Thanks, Chuck. So just real quick backstory. Uh, I grew up in a family uh, with uh, alcoholics. Anytime alcohol came into our house, there was problems. And uh, I swore as a child that I would never create this type of problem in my in my home. We have one daughter who's now 27. Um, I've given my whole life to my daughter. Um, she means everything in the world to me. And, um, and so when I got the phone from my wife saying that our daughter wants to speak to me about something, I was wondering what that was. And, um, I kind of knew, by the way. Um, and it was an incredible conversation. Um, Fortunately, she approached it from a point of love for her um, that came from, like, Joseph and uh, his brother, um, filled with positivity. Um, and she told me, Dad, I want you to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And you have to... Take a little breath right there. Um, and... Throughout my life, I never really thought I had a drinking problem. Um, you know, my wife said, you should probably cut back, and all my friends are saying, oh, you're fine, you know, because I was with a lot of people that drank alcohol, <laughs> as I learned in AA. And um, it, that was the new norm for me, if you will. And... Um, she was very positive, and the negative part came in where she said, Dad, I don't want to be around you. I won't be around you if you drink. And I wasn't an angry drinker. I was a silly, even more silly than I am sober, um, which is silly. And so it hit me. Um, that I need to do something. This is somebody in my life that, and everything in my life I, I did, I could probably do with work and effort. Well, when we had this call where she, we were both crying, I have to be honest, it took me probably 18 months to go get some help. So it's not, of course, an easy thing. And this is the hardest thing I've had to do in my life. I'm in my fourth year of sobriety. Um, and um, so that was my point. That's what did it for me, at least the catalyst. Thank you. Thank you. And now Shannon's going to speak to point of freedom where I could find hope. Hey, guys. Um, so for myself, when 
I was in the worst place of my addiction. I had zero hope. Um, my family, my husband, my parents um, had confronted me many times about my drinking, and my excuses were up for why I was drinking. Um, whether it was anxiety or depression or a stressful job, uh, no longer could I use them anymore. And um, I firmly believe that something I learned in AA was you can, that your bottom can be when you just stop digging. <laughs> and for me, I finally, you know, after everyone had told me that I was an alcoholic, uh, they were more ready to admit it than I was at that time. It took me about, you say 18 months, I think I was at about 13, 14 months before I became as ready as they were for me to get help. And the thing that gave me the most hope was when I walked into treatment and when I walked into the rooms of AA, I was shocked at how many people I had seen at Wawa or the grocery store <laughs> or all over Southampton. You can say it, New Church Live. At New Church Live. Um, my addiction had told me that I was weak, empathetic, and I was the only one that was dealing with this and that there was no one else. So I isolated completely. Uh, when I went into those rooms and I saw people laughing and having fun, uh, I saw my sponsor, who was here. I'm not going to tell you who she is. Um, she was having so much fun, and I was just thinking to myself, my God, I want what she has, and I don't understand how she could feel like I feel right now, and she could be as happy as she is. And so I stalked her, and I begged her, and she has helped me. And there are so many people out there right now, no matter how you feel, because I sat in this room the morning after a relapse, and I sat in here and I cried. And Take a breath right there are um, so many people that will grab your hand and will walk this journey with you. <laughs> and um, hey, I'm one of them. So I'm, I have hope every day that anyone in the throes of addiction can find help and find happiness again. Thank you, Shannon. Beautiful. And now my dear buddy, Ed, and yes, Ed actually is my stunt double. Um, the, the <laughs> the, point, the point of freedom where I could find forgiveness. Okay, Chuck's stunt double. Let's see, <laughs> let's see if I can do this. Um, first, I'd like to say um, the first time I, I picked up a drug, I had no idea that I was going to be addicted, that I was going to become an addict. And, um, you know, I had no idea that I was going to destroy the, the relationships I have with my family, you know, and, um, you know, and the pain of living in an addiction and just, I got to a point, I kind of think I have to share this first. I got to a point where I just accepted the fact of who I was and what I had become and people were just moving away from me, you know, like I said, destroying the, that family unit. Um, and... It wasn't until, you know, I had that moment, I think, when I had four sisters, and I had a moment where they would always come in and try and do an intervention. And uh, they, I don't know if they had planned, like, this various angles they would come from, but they were all come from a different angle. And uh, the one time my sister said to me, and she met me kind of, she came, it seemed like she came to that dark place where I was at and told me, 
you know, I don't approve of what, of what you're doing, but I love you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like the, the two previous speakers said, uh, that was a, that was a, a dramatic time, you know, in hearing that. And I didn't do anything about that right away, but a little bit of time had gone by that that just kept resonating with me. And, uh, I finally sought help and, um, you know, with this, with this forgiveness piece, um, you know, I had to go through this process, uh, in recovery and get to a point of, you know, I got to a point of asking God to forgive me. And, um, it wasn't long after that, that people started showing up, you know, it was kind of like I was in the, it, it always seemed like I was in the right place at the right time and the right people were there. And, um, and that was huge because I was able to, through other people's experience, uh, start to forgive myself, um, for the past, for the, the, you know, that place I was at and, and look back at my past and accept that that's what I, that's what I was. That's what I did. Um, and that was that dark place. And I wasn't able to see the light until I got to that point of being able to ask, you know, kind of ask for forgiveness, uh, of me. And the way I did that was by just trying to live a little differently by doing some positive things. Um, after that, I was able to, you know, um, get, uh, have conversations with my family members, you know, and, 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 and ask for forgiveness from them. And again, that was like, that was the biggest freedom for me, you know? Um, so for me, the the most, the the biggest thing of freedom for me and the, the, the best experience I ever had with freedom was admitting I was wrong and asking for forgiveness. Uh, You know, that's where uh, freedom, you know, began for me and, you know, staying in the light, um, that's about it. Thank you. So again, and I'm sure I speak for these folks, like, you know, you're welcome to connect with them after the service. Welcome to, 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 to find ways to share your story. Because I think that's, again, that's the conversation. Conversation, I like word stuff. Conversation means to live with. You know, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a living with, a living together. Uh, uh, how do we move through these things together? What's the conversation? What can we glean? What can we take? So the way we're going to close the service is this. In one second, I'm going to thank these folks again. I'm going to ask you to thank them with me. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to come down front here. Beth and Joe are going to offer a final prayer. And then actually we're going to have a set of three different prayer teams. And at that point, if you'd like, you're more than welcome to come up and just tell us someone that we can hold in prayer for you. Point of freedom. Point of freedom. We can always offer the blanket. We can always come from love. And we can always hold each other up as best we can in prayer. So, to close today's service, first off, huge thank you to you three wonderful, amazing people. So thank you. Lord God, 
I thank you for today. I thank you for this beautiful group of people, for this church. I thank you for every soul here. Lord, I thank you for those who struggle with addiction. I thank you for those who love those who struggle with addiction. And for those of us who love those who struggle, I pray that you would help us be that warm blanket, that safe place that they know that they could come without judgment. And for those who struggle, I pray, Lord God, that you would give them a glimpse of their comeback story and the strength and the faith to step out and just surrender to your healing and have the bravery to reach out for the help that's needed. I pray that each and every soul in in this room, in our congregation, in our families, in our city, and in our world, Lord God, that struggles with this, Lord, would just feel your presence in a powerful way and be moved to heal. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now the prayer teams are going to come down. We're going to have three prayer teams. You're welcome to go to either of them. You're welcome to just sit and have a meditative moment. And then we're going to close the service with hope. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.